0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I am Hayden Thomas, one of the pastors here, and joining me is Evan Jacobson, who's also one of the pastors here. But you guys are Life Group leaders, so you know that. That was an interesting intro. It was an interesting intro. But you know, here, something that we say every week because we're... uh, We're committed. I said condemned. (laughs) We're convinced (laughs) about it. We're (laughs) condemned about it. No, no. We're convinced that... uh, the th- most important thing we can do is make disciples, and we do that by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of Reaching, Teaching, and Training. Pastor Evan, we wrapped up our current series, Trials and Triumph, ending with the miracles and the message of Jesus Christ, recorded in Matthew four twenty three through chapter 5, verse 2. Would you like to read it for us? No, I wouldn't like to. Now, that was... I'm just kidding. I love to. (laughs) Look at
1: that. All right, Matthew 4, beginning in verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout, throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, it's good for us to leave on a cliffhanger in the text, but there is still a main point for for this text. Um. Before we go into your sermon focus, can you help our life group leaders? You know, remind us of the
0: inclusio that you mentioned in uh, Matthew. Yeah, Matthew four twenty-three uh, and Matthew nine. I have to open up my notes. But thirty-five. Thirty-five. I think yeah, thirty-five uh, gives us uh, very similar statements uh, that teach us. Uh, I'm gonna open up my notes just anyway. There we go. Uh, that show us Matthew is. Introducing a section of Scripture, chapters 5 through 9, and he closes that uh, section of Scripture before he also, even in that same text, in the other verses, uh, in verses 36, 37, and 38, he introduces us into a new section of Scripture, which helps us understand the movement of uh, Jesus' ministry, but also what Matthew is doing in the literary uh Uh, function of the Gospel of Matthew. And so you see that uh, that inclusio, where that whole block of teaching belongs together uh, to help us understand what was actually going on. Matthew was showing us the message and the miracles of Jesus to prove that he was the Son of God. All right, well with that, knowing that there is a setup to come, there's
1: still a main point
0: to this text. So what was the main focus of the sermon the main focus was this power and authority of Jesus that was revealed through his miraculous acts ought to be sufficient proof for us to fully trust the authority of his message.
1: Very simple. Very simple. Very straightforward.
0: It is. All right. Well, Pastor,
1: you need three points. Make Jesus' message the main thing. Make Jesus' miracles about his message and sit under trusted biblical teaching. Okay. So with point number one, as life group leaders, making Jesus' message the main thing, how can we as life group leaders do this, but also how can we help our life groups do this? How can we support the church's effort to make Jesus' message the focus of our church?
0: Uh, By continually focusing in on the message. uh, That is making sure that we don't uh, sway or swerve or drift into focusing on anything else. And that happens a lot in organizations and even our personal lives as we set out for this mission that— mission a and by the end of the process or months in we recognize that we're doing something completely different than what we committed to at the beginning churches are guilty of this uh, a lot throughout history uh the church in revelate one of the churches in revelation uh jesus said you've lost your first love which church was that philadelphia ephesus philadelphia was uh, good philadelphia was good okay well ephesus had lost its first love what it was focusing on the right thing and through the process over time it made It's focus on something else completely, and so uh, we don't want to lose the first love that is Christ in our church, and we want to make sure that uh, as life group leaders, as pastors, as a church, that we are making the message the focus of our church. We're not going to make it about anything else. Uh, because Christ didn't make his ministry about anything else, although he used many things to support the main thing, which is what we hope to do. And that is always the balance, isn't it? Using things like uh, podcast celebrations that we have four times a year, uh, a lot of those other ministries, this Family Matters conference, all these extras that we do on the side are meant to keep the main thing the main thing. It allows us to focus on the main thing by doing these other things. But when those things become the main thing, like what if we just became a a church that just put on conferences? Well, that's not the main thing, right? So we have to make, or what if we come to a church that just does a celebration every Sunday? Well, that's great, but it's not the main thing. You can't say, oh, that's a bad thing. Well, you're right, but it's not the main thing. And so we got to make sure as a church that we keep the main thing the main thing. So how then can we help our life groups
1: understand what it looks like to have a life centered around Jesus's message? How can we communicate that
0: to our life groups? Well, that is, interestingly enough, one of the hard uh, truths. It's not a hard concept. It's a hard truth that we have to deal with. And it's like, okay— how do we make sure that our lives center around the message of Jesus? Like, ask yourself, is is what you do throughout the week center on the message of Jesus? Like, one of the hard truths that we realize is so much of what we do day to day and week to week has nothing to do with the message of Jesus Christ, has nothing to do with the gospel. So it's really not a hard concept, it's just a hard truth to swallow because we recognize that we don't do it. And so it is oftentimes hard for a world and even church members to... Say well, how important is this whole message of Jesus when it doesn't seem like anybody is focusing on it in their lives? Well, just because people don't notice it or recognize it or live it doesn't doesn't dictate its importance. You know, there's a lot of things that people don't recognize and understand that are very very important. You know, uh, I mean, I can just think throughout history. Uh, just because a group of people recognize something as unimportant doesn't or unimportant doesn't mean it is. You know, uh, we recognize that uh, the sanctity of life is really important, but you have a, a gross majority of people throughout American history who said, no, 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 it should be about the choice. Well, the masses believing one thing doesn't make the truth different. And so even though you see a lot of people not centering their life around the message of Jesus doesn't minimize the massive significance of centering your life around Jesus. We just need more people who are scheduling their lives around the message of Christ and its application in our lives. So then next,
1: the final question, our point number one, making Jesus's message the main thing. How can we help guard the hearts of our life group from focusing on pressuring the church, maybe you and I, or maybe the life group leaders themselves to fit their stylistic preferences. Even though things that might look good can be like like you mentioned the 9am at least, you know, song style or, you know, programmatic style Mm -hmm. or life group
0: structure. Well, one of the things that we always need to ask is, is this my preference or is this the biblical principle? And man, most of the issues that we have, any pressure that would be put on the church would probably be a preferential issue. And so we have to say things like, okay, if it's just my preference, then I've got to be willing to let it go. You know, if it's a principle, if it's a biblical principle, we can't let that go. We got to get that resolved. But if it's a preference... All right. If it's even a, a strong preference, particularly, we have to say, hey, you know what? This isn't about my preferences or my I- idealistic idea of what our church could be. It's tr- truly just, hey, focus on the main thing, not style, not preference. You know, I think, and I get it, like, you know, we're not what you would call a, like, a, like a seeker church, which I know a secret church could say they say hey, don't worry about this, style, ah, you just let us do what we need to do to bring people here. Well, I get that there are just certain things that would be a little bit out of bounds if we did, like uh, if you and I were to come out of the rafters and uh, you know descend onto the platform. I think I, I mean yeah, you should bring that up because I think that's a little outlandish. So I'm not saying hey never bring anything up if you prefer that we didn't do it, but you know, like, hey, there is a, a realm uh, of like, hey, this is just my personal preference. And uh, vice versa, the other issue coming out of the, you know, what is it, the ceiling, would be more of like, a, hey, you, you're trying to make something the main thing that shouldn't be the main thing. You're trying to perform and not proclaim the gospel. And so, yeah, I, I don't want to say, hey, never, never question the leadership. That's not what this is about. It's about saying, hey, you should question your preferences for sure and I think that will help build a unity within your life group and also within the church. Yeah. And don't let other people speak against a lot of things. If it's a preference, you know, be like, Hey, you know, if they say, you know, I don't like what the church is doing in this area. Well, you know, okay. If it's a real concern, bring that up to us for sure. And, you know, let us know Let's partner together if there's something wrong, but if it's a preference, maybe call that out. And it's like, Hey, you know, you need to ask yourself is what you're saying a preference or is it a principle? Mm -hmm. and even help your life group exercise that discernment. Awesome. Well, point number two, make Jesus' miracles about his
1: message. And so I know people in our life groups, I know probably some of mine who are throughout the life groups of the church, you know, miracles are going to be a little contentious potentially, or just they might have disagreements. So as life groups, how do we help people to, you know, handle Jesus' miracles today? Like, what do we, we, we see it,
0: okay, now what? Well, I hope it wouldn't be contentious, right? I hope that you guys understand we are brothers and sisters in Christ and there shouldn't be any, you know, fighting or throwing of, you know, words and thoughts that are going to be harmful to one another. Uh, I think when it comes to miracles, we need to, like, if we just understand primarily what miracles were designed for, uh, even in what throughout history, even the New Testament, uh, even uh, one of the commentaries, uh, Matthew New Testament commentary, uh, uh, MacArthur's commentary, it talks about uh, these healing ministries that you see, even the apostles, right? Jesus wasn't the only one that healed, we have the apostles doing it. Uh, and At the beginning of the book of Acts, you see it happening a lot, but it says, before the end of the book, the accounts of these miracles cease. The same diminishing uh, respect to these miracles is seen throughout the epistles. In the early ministry of Paul, he performed a lot of miracles, but later, I mean, people are sick, people had needs, and he healed them. But then later, Timothy asks, hey, uh, I'm not feeling great. And Paul says, hey, take some wine for your stomach ailment. I mean, uh, and then at the end of his next letter in Second Timothy, uh, the apostle reports that Trophimus, I left sick in Miletus. And so he's just leaving people sick behind. He's, not, he's no longer healing them. And now, uh, and so I'm saying, and what Paul's, or, uh, John MacArthur is saying here, even with Paul's arguments, is... Uh, there isn't scriptural evidence that by the end of the apostolic age, miracles or any sort were still performed. Uh, And what we're saying there is, like, that's just some further biblical evidence to say, hey, uh, you don't have to be a cessationist to believe that miracles today often, almost always, aren't even uh, defined like biblical miracles. They're, They're something that the Bible doesn't speak about in the way that they're performed. Um, that most of the time, miracles in our culture today, uh, whether it, wherever it out, wherever it is in the world, isn't focused on the biblical gospel. Um, and so maybe something that you guys can do, even as if your life group, to say, hey, what is all the evidence? Like, what is all the evidence? Like, you know, it's easy to say, well, miracles are still happening because. Okay, but what is the evidence of false miracles that we see in Scripture and in our world today? And what does the Bible say about miracles? Obviously, the Bible says a lot about miracles, but then notice, actually, it starts leaving out miracles, particularly as the New Testament letters get older and older and older, you actually don't see miracles happening at all. And so, uh, even with that, even if you can't concretely say, well, I don't believe that individuals are gifted with the miraculous signs these days, you can at least say, well, I definitely don't see it as a necessary part of the ongoing uh, ministry of the Church, simply because you don't even see it towards the end of the epistles, uh, when hopefully, if that is your idea that miracles are a necessary part of the Church, that you should see those happening all throughout the New Testament. And so those are just a couple of things to look at. Look at all the evidence. You know, I don't think you should just take my word for it. I think you should continue researching. Norman Geisler has a book, Our Signs and Wonders for Today. Uh, There's other books on it as well, but what you should definitely look at is say, hey, don't just throw throw out your thoughts and opinion before you look at the whole uh, picture, Uh, particularly even in the first century, uh, first, second, third century, with the early church fathers who were discipled by the apostles, almost all uh, uniformly, I say almost because I don't have proof that it was every one of them, but I believe it's every one of them, uh, talked about how miracles have ceased since all the apostles died. And so there's some really good historical proof that the miracles were just to authenticate the gospel message from Jesus and the apostles, and then after that, it wasn't necessary because the message had already been authenticated and proven through the message and ministries of Jesus and the apostles.
1: Is that helpful? I think that's helpful, but I think also it might be helpful is to maybe define what a miracle is. And in, in Pastor Hayden, there's a systematic theology book that I've been reading that I think is a helpful definition, I can explain it a little bit more, is it's from a guy named John Frame. In his judgment, the best definition of the word miracle is this. An extraordinary manifestation of God's covenant lordship. Now, people might not like that because, well, what, isn't a miracle a, a, the break of space and time? Maybe you can define... The laws of space and a, time, yeah. we got the laws of space and time. Um, and people might, oh, we might categorize it into, here's the big miracles and little miracles because if we just put scientific law being broken that doesn't cover all the miracles or really what the bible describes signs wonders mighty deeds that god does you know what is break of natural law and quote unquote is going to be raising from the dead Um, but funny enough god uses nature to actually do something extraordinary like parting the red sea if you read the Exodus account carefully, it says he used a strong wind to push back the sea. That's an extraordinary event, but he used nature to influence and it nature. He didn't break the laws of nature. He just right. used nature. He used the laws of nature. And True. so, one way to put it, as I have to do when, when I do partners with people, is we remember, we're deists, not theists. And so, the laws of nature are not um, Mother Nature. <laughs> mother Nature. The laws of nature are not independent of God. Really, what nature is, the study of science, is no, is noticing the behavior of God because God is working if were, the implications every atom in a sense, He's working everything, and so this is how He normally behaves. But there's sometimes some extraordinary manifestation that He acts differently to prove a point, and so those might be a helpful way to define miracle: is an extraordinary manifestation of God's covenant lordship. Right, and
0: the easy another easy uh, evidence, you know. Is when you talk about miracles, is to say, are they focusing on the message? Because if they're not, there's really good biblical evidence there that whatever they're doing is not of the Lord. And there's a lot of demonic representations of miracles. We see that throughout Scripture and even today. I 100% believe there are demonic manifestations of of healing and miracles, and uh, that are designed to uh, manipulate or to uh, uh, to further the agenda of, of Satan, no doubt. I mean, you see that even when it was Moses. You see that in Old Testament with Moses and, and Aaron and, magicians. Right? and the magicians. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's a scary thought to say, you know, the powers of evil also have this ability to perform wonders and miracles. And uh, I believe the epistles in the New Testament even talks about there's times coming where people are going to mislead people and even through miraculous ways. And we know for the fact that when the Antichrist comes and uh, during that age, there's going to be a lot of uh, signs and wonders and miracles that are done by false prophets. And so all that we're saying is you got to be careful in every miracle, every, uh, you know, uh, I shouldn't just say every miracle, every uh, announcement of of a miracle happening, you just need to ask, what are they making this about? Because I didn't hear in that article or that... Testimony about the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. All I'm hearing about is this wonderful, amazing, crazy thing that got me excited about something. Like that's not what this is about. And so you just got to be careful, life group leaders. Help your group. I mean walk tread lightly there. You know, I don't tread lightly. Be careful, uh, but you know, help people. You know, understand the main thing is the main thing.
1: All right, and finally, point number three is for us to sit under trusted biblical teaching. How is, how is we as life group leaders, how can we explain
0: what it looks like to sit under biblical teaching well? Well, are you going to corporate gatherings whenever the Bible is being taught? As you go to them, are you preparing to be there or are you just trying to show up? Are you getting there late? Or are you getting there on time? Am I going to hear? Am I going to listen? Am I going to... Uh, in expectation for what God is going to show me through his word? Am I going prepared with a pen and a notebook, uh, note sheet, uh, laptop, iPad? I mean, am am I going to say, hey, God has something to say from his word, and he's giving us pastor teachers to help us rightly divide the word of truth, and I'm ready to hear. And then when I'm ready to hear and I'm ready to listen, am I ready to apply? And so that's a good way to understand how do I do that biblically? Well, there you go. How do I do that? Well, that's, those are some good applications for how to sit under trusted biblical teaching.
1: Okay. Well, pastor Hayden, what is some direction you can give us with the application
0: questions this week? Yeah. uh, All of them. All of them. Hey, there's a lot of them. I think there's, including the sub questions you have 10. And so like as always, you're not going to be able to get through all of these, but in your own time of study, Which ones are going to help your life group? Where are your life groups struggling? Where do they need some help? Where do they need some love and some guidance? And that doesn't mean always take the easy questions. It means take the best questions and uh, help them uh, divide it to apply it. And, uh, I mean, I think question number three is great. It actually walks them step by step through the miracle questions. Uh, What was the purpose of the miracles? How did miracles authenticate the message of Jesus? Why was proving his Messianic credentials important for his message and his mission? How can a better understanding of Jesus' use of miracles help you keep his message a central aspect of Jesus' mission? I love those. That's a really good question. Um, But all of them, obviously, I think will be helpful. But make sure you find the ones that are really, really helpful. Your goal isn't to get through every question. It's to make sure you get uh, your life group discipled and equipped all right, speaking
1: of equipping, we have some resources. Pastor Hayden, there's a couple of resources that you have read through that you find beneficial.
0: What are those two resources? Expository listening is a good resource. We sell it in the bookstore. We would think, uh, you know, if we understand the need for expository preaching, we should understand the need for expository listening. Which there, It's not, just a, it's not it's just a joke. I mean, that's a real thing. Expository listening is a real, um, is a real uh, process. So uh, you can pick that up in the bookstore I also have Signs and Wonders by Norman Geisler. It's a good book uh, that I think could be helpful when it comes to understanding miracles in the Bible. Uh, it be a good book for you. There are others. Uh, Strange Fire by John MacArthur is another one. Um, and do, is there any, any, any books that you think? I think those two are sufficient. Those two are pretty good. Uh,
1: yeah. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, you actually have an exciting uh, kind of training announcement for our life group leaders.
0: Yeah, I've actually finished a training for you guys. Uh, What does it
1: mean by finished? What does it mean? Well,
0: I say I finished. I've written it up, and I'm in the midst of recording it and getting it on Ministry Grid, and it's entitled Spans of Care, How to Love Everyone in Your Life Group Well. And I want to help you guys answer some of the questions and concerns you guys had about how do I minister to everyone in my life group. And I've made a training for it. I'm in the process of uh, recording it and getting it all on ministry grid. So pray for me. My goal is to get that done by Tuesday or Wednesday of this week so I can get that out to you guys soon. And we can even work through it together uh, when we have our next Life Group Leader meeting as well. All right. Well, this time we only have about four
1: announcements instead of 12. (laughs) So, Pastor Hayden, what are the announcements for our Life Group
0: Leaders this week? We have our Life Group Leader meeting on March 26th after the 11 a.m. service. Looking forward to that. We have our next prayer night, March nineteenth, from five to six thirty p.m. We love to pack our auditorium out to worship the Lord and pray together. We have our men's breakfast on March eleventh at nine a.m. We are our men's and women's ministries are growing, so looking forward to having our men's breakfast then. Then we have our Family Matters conference on April fifteenth. Remember, this is a from nine to one kind of conference and. We're really looking forward to having some guest speakers here to talk on parenting, marriage, finances, and conflict resolution. And uh, we also have a breakout for teens there. You can register today at compasshillcountry.org, $10 per person. Uh, Compass Kid is available for those who register their kids as well. Kids are free, so you don't have to pay for any of the kiddos under sixth grade. Uh, We do need people to serve, so if you're interested in serving, please let us know. And uh, don't wait long. We have already 118 people have registered for this, so don't wait because we only have a limited amount of tickets available. So we look forward to you registering for that. Look forward to this week's work of ministry. We love you guys as life group leaders. We're thankful for your partnership in the gospel, and we look forward to seeing what God is going to do through your life group.